0: I thought
1: maybe I said it, I didn't mean to, and I
2: was like, wait a
1: minute, what just happened? Yeah. Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hello. Aaron Frost. Hello. Alyssa Nichol. Hello. <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Hello. We have uh, two special guests as well. We have Brian Love. Hello. And Kevin. Kevin. Shoehard. 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 That's it. Hey, Brian.
0: Yeah. Why, uh, why is he so disproportionately better at you with? with
3: British accents. I don't know, man. I guess I haven't spent enough time over there.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get you back over there. I hear Ooh. there's a big conference over there every Ooh,
3: year. We'd love to go to
1: uh, Angular Connect. Yeah. it be awesome. Yeah, anyway, we have you guys on the docket to talk about Angular schematics. Yeah, that's right. And this is something I've been wanting to dig into for a while. Do you want to just give us kind of the elevator pitch for schematics to get us started?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Schematics is basically a library uh, that is kind of coming out of Angular and the Angular core team. Um, and It's a library for creating and modifying files in a file system. Uh, So it's written in TypeScript, um, and it's leveraged by the CLI for commands that you're probably running today as an Angular developer, like ng-generate, ng-update, ng-add, right? And so underneath the hood, the CLI is using Schematics. Uh, to perform all of the uh, manipulations to your file system and to existing files. uh, So that way you can easily generate out components and these kinds of things.
4: Well, do our users need to be on a certain version of Angular for using these schematics?
5: That's a really good question. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, so the functionality that you're hoping for is going to be determined on the version of the CLI you're on. So uh, some of the functionality has evolved over time with the CLI. So... For example, things like CLI prompts, right. Those are introduced with uh, version seven yep. of the CLI. So, um, depending on what you're expecting, is is going to determine which version of the CLI you'll need to be, uh, your application will need to be running, or uh, globally that you have installed as well. Yep.
4: So I feel really bad. I dove right in to the the juicy good stuff. And we didn't even get to your intros on like who who are you. (laughs) So do you guys want to go ahead and do do that? Schematics. You just I know. (laughs) Uh,
3: I can introduce myself. Uh, My name is Brian Love. I am the Chief Technology Officer uh, for Breebug. We are a Angular consulting uh, firm here in Denver, Colorado, and we work with a lot of big clients here in Denver and what we call the Front Range. So we work with a lot of large enterprises that are building big Angular apps. And we help them solve some of the problems that they're kind of running into. Uh, We guide them in best practices. And uh, we also offer a staff augmentation and and these kinds of things as well. So So you
4: kind of come alongside the developers and and help them out?
3: That's right, Alyssa. Yeah, so I kind of oversee all of our engineers and all of our project leaders um, kind of based on what client or what project we're working on, help them out. Uh, architecturally and then I also you know do a lot of development myself so I'm I'm pretty full time in development as well as kind of leading projects and overseeing the engineers. Um, so I get a lid and breathe it every day. So
4: nice. Sounds like you're crazy busy.
3: Uh, <laughs> yes. Yep that would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy
4: yeah.
3: and busy. Yep, yep <laughs> crazy,
4: busy All right, there's a pause between those two.
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Are yeah. yeah. They save lives.
4: Is Kevin at Brebug as well? Yeah, yeah.
3: Go ahead, Kevin. You introduce yourself.
5: Yeah, I'm Kevin Schuhard, uh, senior developer at Brebug, and been here for a few years and work on a variety of projects, like Brian said, big and small. Uh, and then recently, uh, I've had the opportunity to write a few schematics for Brebug that are open source uh, and a couple on my own. So, uh, excited to be here talking about schematics today.
4: That is awesome. I, I want to interrupt real quick and ask, are you like super proud to say senior developer? Anytime I hear someone say that, I'm just like a little jealous. <laughs> I'm like, God, that must feel so good to say because I'm still, I'm still in the mid-range, I'm going to be honest. So it, are you just like, have like a little sheriff badge or something of like pride with yeah, that?
3: <laughs> a pin. So when we, when we bring them into clients, you know, it's a nice, flashy, shiny pin. Brian, Brian, he
0: pronounced the whole meaning of CTO. He, He's pretty pumped about that too, though, right?
3: Dude, well, last time I was C- a panelist, you technology. were like, CTO mean? So I was like, well, let me make it real clear here what exactly we uh, are talking uh, about. CTO. That's true. <laughs> I gave you crap both
0: ways, didn't I? My you bad. Did.
5: My bad. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Disappearing back good. in the bushes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you get real excited until you have letters. Oh, uh, yeah. Words. <laughs> all oh, yeah. letters <laughs> But. Yeah.
3: Don't let Kevin kind of shy away. He's uh, Seriously, I I couldn't pump him up enough. A great guy to work with and uh, super smart and talented. And he's been doing a lot with schematics. And we both have kind of been playing with it a lot over the last couple of months. And we're just seeing, honestly, the power of what we're able to get out of schematics. And we're like, hey, this is a really cool thing. And we'd love to not just share this you know, internally with our engineers and with our clients, but kind of take this out into the community. I spoke up in Portland on schematics. I've done a bunch here in Denver and Boulder, and we just kind of want to get people familiar with schematics. And honestly, you know, if you're listening to this, I don't, you're not going to walk away from this podcast and you're not going to be able to like hit the ground running with schematics, but our goal is really to inspire Angular developers to start their journey with schematics and to kind of, uh, you know, peel back the lid and take a look at schematics and the c l i and the power that's there and that's available to them so
0: it's uh it gets a little trippy though right like there's a there's a bit of a barrier entry to getting going. is that true yeah, go ahead
5: kevin um yeah, there is you know one of the the features that the schematics offer is that it gives you access to the abstract syntax tree or the a s t from typescript, and so I think that can be. Probably the one of the big hurdles with getting yeah, into with schematics is you need to understand first of all what that is, and then second of all, like how to read it, how to, you know, pull data from it, how to make decisions off of it, make updates, deletes, creations.
4: How do you explain what AST is then? Like, do you have a simple definition, or is it not easy?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so AST, uh, you know, for our listeners, that's an abstract syntax tree, and it's basically you know, if you open up a TypeScript file in VS code, like you parse that with your brain, right? And you're like reading it and there's functions and there's like open brackets, close brackets, all this kind of identifiers and syntax, right? Well, an AST is basically the computer version of your brain reading that code, right? So it parses the code and it comes up with this tree that kind of describes exactly what's going on inside the code, right? So you can, you can really drill down and and get within certain identifiers, whether that's like an if statement or or whatever it is, right? So think about something that the CLI does. When you generate out a component, it finds the nearest module, right, uh, to your component that you're generating to that path. And then once it finds that module, it determines where the declarations array is, right? And it can add your component at the end of that array and do that, uh, you know, very deterministically and say, okay, this is exactly where it needs to go. And it knows that because it's looking at the AST and determining where that is in the file. Does that make sense? Does that kind of answer your question?
4: Yeah, it does. It's, so it's basically just, it's what all of the code is turned into or not, is that is that a horrible way too simple?
0: Yeah, that's not really a good way of saying it. I think it's it's how... It's it, it's what the language looks like parsed to a computer. It's not what it looks like to a human. I mean, to humans, it looks like what we see. But in order for a computer to follow it, okay, yeah, it, it, it follows the AST. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I just was going to say there's a there's a cool tool that um if anyone's sitting here listening to this podcast and saying hey, you know what, what is the AST? There's a there's an online tool called an ast explorer you can just go type some javascript in there and it'll spit out an ast so you can just like go to console.log hello world and and it'll spit out for you an ast where you can see okay here's a function call the argument was a string that said hello World, like and you can kind of see what or you can paste a whole angular component into the ast explorer right and kind of see what an ast looks like and and so there's some but it is a little bit of a bit to wrap your mind around, like Kevin said.
4: And so I think I get what AST is now, but the relationship again to schematics was that schematics use AST to know what to do kind of thing. Is that is that correct?
3: Yeah, I think that's correct. I think that's that's right. So um imagine like you were gonna write the schematics in order to inject, you know, a component that you're generating into that declarations array, right? You could probably do that without an AST using like maybe some regex or these kinds of things, right? But I I think that that, you know, using a regex or kind of string manipulation, if you will, is a little brittle, right? We're using an AST is very systematic and very programmatic, and we can determine exactly where we want to put this based on the AST. And we can get the exact location in that file where we're going to inject,
5: you know, this string of whatever that component is. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking... Let's say we're trying to find the import statement uh, for a file, and you know, if, if you go the string matching route, you know, you have to have all these cases. Like, is this is this being used in a comment? Uh, is this a variable name? Um, it's a really good all example. The, all these different, yeah. you have all these scenarios where an AST you can break it down by: is it a declaration? Is it a comment? Is the comment before or after this line? Is this a variable? You you can get that detailed, exact uh, type information of the code that you're working with and know precisely that this is an import statement and not only an import statement, but the statement I'm looking for. And then you take you can take that once you found it
0: and you can modify the tree to put new things in or take old things out. And then you return a new AST and and the CLI outputs the file the way that you provided the new AST, if that makes sense. So if you wanted to put a new thing in an array, you update the AST to have another thing in the array, and then you give the new AST back, and the CLI did that for you, if that makes sense. So that's kind of the relationship between AST and schematics.
3: Yep, um, you can also get that position, and you can also deal with strings as well. So then you can read the entire file into the schematic. Using the AST, you can find exactly at what position you want to insert your text, and then you can just you know you know string and cat in your text there as well, so you can kind of do it both ways.
4: So is it pretty easy to get access, I'm assuming, to this ast or is it like you have to include this whole other library?
3: No, so it's actually just typescript, right so um, and you know again, maybe just to backup. You know, Kevin and I have definitely done a lot with schematics, but we are not the developers of schematics, and I would not claim to be, like, the expert on schematics. We just want to kind of share our knowledge here, just to be, like, super clear. But my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Kevin, is that's something that comes with TypeScript. So you can use the TypeScript. It's not the TSC compiler, but it's basically TypeScript, and you can get an AST back from a TypeScript, you know, file, basically okay. read the file and, and hand it off to this TypeScript which will then return back your AST. And you can play with that as well, you know, without getting into schematics or anything. If you're interested in ASTs, you know, check out that ASTexplorer.net. And there's a whole bunch of different like uh, AST
6: parsers. Would you call them a parser, I guess?
3: Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah, they are parsers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can actually paste in your angular, you know, component or whatever it is uh, select typescript from the drop down and then you can see the entire AST that comes out of typescript. Um, oh, that's awesome.
0: From,
5: yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: So so I just wanted to finish answering Alyssa's question. So when you get in the code and you're making a schematic, it, the CLI just takes care of creating the AST and giving it to you. So it's not like, "Hey Alyssa, you have to know how to make an AST in order to do
3: schematics." Oh, that's a good point, sure
0: yeah, they did. You just get an AST and then you can modify it or return it the exact same way you got it or, or like, but it's not like, you know, it, let's get level 300 and build ASTs based off of code. You know what I'm saying? No way. No way. <laughs> so it's, a lot, it's a lot simpler than maybe what, what we made it sound like. You just show up with your hello world schematic and you get an AST and then you can start buggering with it. So to answer yeah. the question, fully, that's it. And
3: that's a really good point for anybody listening. Like you don't have to know all about ASTs and everything to get into this. And that this is kind of the complicated side of schematics, right? You can build schematics without getting into ASTs. And we could talk a little bit about that if you want.
4: So that was with the regex or like string manipulation. That's what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, kind of. So there's actually this entire, um, I don't know if you want to call it a feature, uh, but uh, alongside with kind of modifying existing files, and especially modifying existing TypeScript files is where you're going to deal with the AST side of things. Uh, but if you're actually generating out new files, as you can imagine, you're not going to want to muck with AST or anything like Regex or whatever, right? Because you basically want to have templates. So if I'm building uh, like a custom component generator uh, schematic for whatever reason my organization needs, if I'm, I'm, I'm building that, like I don't want to have to write all this like, you know, code in order to do that. So what they've done is it's pretty easy to actually generate out files using schematics, right? So there's this directory files uh, underneath your schematic, and in there you can put templates and template of files like you know a spec file, a Typescript file, you know, a SASS file, CSS, or whatever it is, an HTML template. And then you can use kind of a specific templating language that the schematic uses in order to easily build out and kind of stamp out, if you will. Uh, generated files from your schematic
0: so i just kind of pull back the camera a little bit off the schematics and just go one more level on ast ast is not like a new thing it's it's like an old thing it's um it's been around for a long time and i'll give you an example facebook built this tool called js JS code code shift code shift Yeah. yeah Yeah, they call them code mods. When you write a script that runs through JS CodeShift, they call them code mods at Facebook. And and a few years ago I was in Angular.js and and I realized that the that the app would turn on a lot faster and it would take a lot less time to start features if I used template inline template strings versus template URL. And so I I use JS Code Shift. To rewrite every single angular uh, directive and component to use template inline template strings with webpack versus using template URL and it just rewrote every single variation we had and it, it did it like in a way that was like programmatic and I knew i wasn't have, having copy paste errors so these things have been around for a long time angular is just really starting to harness them with the schematics and the team has been harnessing them for for a long time, ever since the CLIs went out. But, you know, opening the Schematics API is what allows people to do some cool things like um, like what Brian and Kevin have worked on. I've, I have personally pumped huge one of the schematics that Kevin's built adds prettier in any other projects. So it's, it's, it's not new, it's, it's been around for a while, this AST thing, but it is wicked confusing, so.
4: Oh, that makes sense. So you said CodeShift is Facebook's label for AST?
0: No. So the AST is a little tough to walk around in and to say, Hey, if like, if I finally found my function call, how do I get into the arguments? Like it can be a little bit tough to see all that. So JS code shift is like syntactic sugar on top of the AST that Facebook built to make it real easy. And you can just do a query and say, Hey, just give me back a part of the AST that looks like this. And, and, they, and they, they made it really simple to do queries through the AST and stuff like that. Like, so it, it just makes you doing AST manipulation in my opinion, significantly easier. So that's JS code shift is just a tool for working with ASTs that Facebook built. It's not, it's okay. not what they call ASTs.
4: So yeah. Gotcha.
3: Okay. And Aaron, do you know if you can use uh, JS code shift with schematics? Have you tried that or no? You
0: know, I haven't tried it, but ever since me and you talked the other day when I was in, in Denver, uh, I'm just like, you know what? I should try it because I, I got to imagine that JS Code Shift with the Angular CLI would probably be a pretty sweet combination. Yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, we could talk to the Angular team about making it work
3: because it, it significantly made it easier to work with AST when I worked with it. Yeah, because otherwise you're doing like some really nasty iterations and <laughs> recursion to find what you're looking for. Yeah. Like a
0: lot of what people spend their time doing, like almost over half is just finding the part of the AST they want to manipulate. Right. And right. then they only spend half their time actually writing the code in the schematic they want to do. So it, we, it, it could afford to be um, improved and, and if JS code shifts worked, it'd be amazing. That would be cool.
5: Yeah, I, th- I think there's an opportunity for a layer there, like you're saying. Abstraction uh, of some yeah, sort, right? Yeah. Just that sits on top of the schematics. It kind of opens up the API in a way that's understandable and valuable because, like you said, once you get, once you get into updating uh, and manipulating the code, it's, uh, that, that's when you're like, oh, I need, to look, I need to learn what AST is and how to work All with it. All of a sudden, you're like drowning. You're yeah. like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
4: You were saying that you don't necessarily need to use AST in order to get into schematics and talking about uh, template stamping was the main key that i took away from that yep. um do you have any pointers and i don't know if you have to back up any further than that for when people are getting started um like if they're making the decision to like hey we're going to need to use AST or no not really we're going this template route um or is there like an even before step
5: um yeah i think you know like brian said there's um there's kind of two pieces that we've encountered with schematics. There's uh, the adding of new files. And that goes back to the template route where you can, you know, give an arbitrary number of files or folder. You can do an entire folder, or nested folders. Um, And then you can decide which pieces of those templates are going to be compiled either to a variable name that you pass or some other functionality. And that can be uh, inside the file itself or even in the file name or the directory. So all those things are variables. And if you're just doing that, um, I think that that's a great place to get started, and it's uh, relatively easy to kind of get your mind around it and get a, a working example going. Um, when it comes to modifying or updating an existing application or file system, um, that's when you're going to kind of start uh, bumping into the AST and the way in which you need to work with it, you know, dealing with uh, finding the element, like Aaron was saying, and then understanding where it is, its position, like those things come from the AST. And so um, <clears throat> when it comes to um, adding files, um, that's actually, you know, pretty straightforward. Pretty simple, easy. Yeah. I'd say relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, and once once you get that, I think it'll kind of click. You're like, oh, this is, this is easy. I, I can make a lot of files uh, with relatively low effort. Um, if you want to make, you know, system-wide updates, Ah, uh, depending on the update, that's that's when you're going to get into the the specific cases of working with AST and understanding how those updates differ and what you need to do. Yep.
1: So yeah, one thing that I'm uh, I'm kind of looking at as far as schematics go. I mean, sometimes it's JavaScript. I mean, most of the time it is JavaScript or TypeScript. But you did mention that you can actually just uh, drop strings in. So if I have something that's not JavaScript or TypeScript, maybe it's JSON or YAML or some other config file or things like that you can also create files with that stuff in it, right?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, like, manipulating those files tend to be a lot easier than manipulating, perhaps, like, code or, you know, JavaScript or TypeScript. For example, let's say you want to write a schematic or as part of your schematic, you're going to update or bump the version of something in package JSON, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that actually is fairly trivial. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, Kevin, but basically you just parse it, You modify that object, you know, you mutate the object, you stringify it and you write it and you're done. You know, it's four lines or whatever that is. And as you, you know, that's something that certainly as web developers, we're like, we're used to using like, you know, JSON and these kinds of things. But when you actually get into, again, you know, kind of modifying, you know, the source code, whether that's TypeScript or JavaScript, uh, that's where you kind of, you start getting into the AST and some more complex scenarios.
1: So how does it represent the file system then? I read this article that you uh, put into the, into the Google Doc that we sent you, and it talked about representing the file system as a tree, which is not an AST as far as I understand.
5: Okay, so yeah, for the tree, when working with schematics, uh, they're generally structured uh, very similar. So you'll eventually... As most examples, you'll uh, be returning a function, and that function is passed two arguments. The first one is the tree, which is sometimes also called the host, and the second argument is the context for the schematic. So you'll generally be working with the uh, tree most of the time. And the Angular team, uh, when working on the schematics, they provided uh, quite a few helpful methods uh, that allow you to, like, kind of like we were talking earlier, that makes it uh, relatively easy to work with the AS tree AST. Uh, AST. And so those will be things like uh, read, uh, visit methods, Uh, there'll be update, Um, there's a recorder for recording modifications to the file system. Um, So by the time your your code hits this this point when working with the tree, you're making these modifications or updates uh, to the TypeScript AST, which is generally referred to as the tree. And so uh, another benefit is that um, you can chain lots of methods together. You can um, return uh, asynchronous uh, changes to the tree. Sorry. So the tree can, changes can uh, return observable. Uh, and you can compile up all these changes, you know, whether that's one or a thousand. Um, and if, uh, let's say, on step 12, uh, something blows up, uh, maybe you know, unexpectedly, uh, you don't have to have any logic in your schematic that rolls back all those changes. And so it, it processes all this in memory um, and gives us kind of the benefit of like maybe a SQL transaction where you can roll the uh, whole thing back roll the whole thing back. And, right. and you don't have to do anything. It's just going to do this for you automatically. Um, but it's just a nice, a nice benefit of working with an AST, AST and having this run uh, in memory And the way that the um, Angular team has architected this is that if anything goes wrong at any point in time, uh, the schematic will just fail. Uh, And you can catch that and provide errors, but you don't have to have any logic that kind of undoes, undoes all of the previous changes you've made to a potential file system. And you can actually play with that yourself, right? I mean, think about the dry run
3: flag, right? If I do NGG component or or whatever I'm doing, and I do, you know, dash dash dry run, it'll output and say, oh, I created these files or whatever it is, but it actually doesn't commit that to the file system. Um, Again, to Kevin's point, it's kind of running you know this tree is kind of in a virtual kind of context and that it's executing in, yeah. and it's done to actually commit all those changes that it actually writes out all the the changes to the file system. Well, whether, whether that's adding files, you know, removing files, or updating files,
1: makes sense to me. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty cool
0: fail safe to make it so that uh, we don't have any disastrous like ninety nine percent of the way, <laughs> and then <laughs> just yeah, just strand you
3: because. You didn't get the last 1%? Right. Yeah, And then that would then, make you know, it impossible. It would make it really tough, right? Because then it would leave, it would also leave as a user of this uh, schematic, it would leave you in a bad state, right? You know, obviously you're using Git or something like that, and you can deal with that, but you don't want to have that poor experience to the user. So, um, so that's one of the really nice features about schematics. If you were to maybe compare schematics with maybe some of the other alternatives out there, uh, maybe that's like Yeoman or, or something like that. So it's a, kind of a differentiator, uh, if you will.
4: So Yeoman is a replacement for schematics? I didn't know that, but I guess I've never used Yeoman, so.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think it's an alternative. Um, yeah, it's a it's
0: a lightweight alternative. It's a
3: lightweight alternative. I think that's, yeah, Aaron, I think you're on it. Or was that Aaron or Joe? Um, it was, did
0: yeah, it make I sense? it's a lightweight it, alternative. If it made sense, it was me. Um, but... Um, not you. No, it's, uh, it doesn't do everything that the schematic system is trying to do. Uh, Yeoman.
1: so. Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full-stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. So how do you write a schematic then? Like, what, what does it look like?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question, Chuck. So maybe just to back up a second on that, the first thing that you want to do when getting started with schematics is you're actually going to install an additional CLI. So not the Angular CLI. There's a schematic CLI as well. Um, and I believe, is that part of the Angular Dev Kit? I believe <laughs> uh, you can find it online. Uh, you're basically going to NPM or Yarn install this schematic CLI. And then using the schematic CLI, you can create a blank project. And it's kind of like the equivalent of ng-new, right? So you do schematics, blank, and then you give it a name. And that'll create a blank project for you to kind of get started with. So it'll create things like the package.json, it'll create a source directory with your index.js file or index.ts file, that's kind of your entry file. Um, There's also a file called collection.json that kind of defines all of the schematics in your collection. Um, so the first thing you're going to want to do when, uh, you, if you're going to get started building a schematics is to actually install the schematic CLI and then generate out that blank project. So it's like a schematic schematic. It's like a schematic schematic. Exactly.
0: exactly. It's friggin' meta, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude.
3: <laughs> and I, real quick, I will. While we're talking about that schematic CLI, um, there's also another really uh, helpful feature in the schematic CLI. You can actually generate out a sample project that they have as part of the schematics uh, CLI. So that instead of doing schematics blank, and this is kind of what you're getting at, Frosty, it's it's the command is literally schematics schematic, schematic. Um, and that'll create a, a demo project which has a lot of really good uh, like code that you can kind of study and see how they're doing things. I think there's four uh, um, schematics in that collection that it generates out. um, And each one kind of builds on the other one. uh, And you can use that as a way to learn schematics as well. So it's kind of a fun little sandbox kind of um, playground for you to kind of get started in as well. So who built that? That's pretty cool. Well, that's part of the schematic CLI. Yep. So I imagine Hans uh, built that as well.
0: So I know that. uh, So, Kevin, I know you did something the other day to give me like a sandbox for my schematics. What's what's your thing that you
5: built the other day? Yeah, so it's it's similar. Um, It is a schematic. And then I've taken uh, a lot of the things that we've learned building schematics here at Brebug and then on my own to set you up with kind of a starter Uh, project. And so it starts with a a blank project. And then uh, what I discovered, or I guess I can back up the the problem I initially ran into was when I run the schematic, um, I ran into this show like, okay, how am I going to test this? How am I going to see what, how it's translating from the schematic code to, you know, on my file system? Because at the end of the day, these are making changes to our application. And so uh, I was running up in the issue of how do I how do I visually see what's going on like I you know like a lot of people I'm a, it's I'm a visual learner I want to I want to you know test and assess and see what's what's happening so uh, what I did was uh, alongside the schematic code as a sibling created a folder called it sandbox and then I put I basically ran ng new inside that sandbox folder just to have a blank uh, Angular application uh, and then that along with uh, some you know yarn or npm scripts i set it up in a way that you, i can uh build the schematic uh reset the the git repo the, uh, the sandbox, the sandbox. To, to its checked in state yeah. yep. and then execute the schematic against that sandbox so i'm building it locally and then running it locally and by version controlling that sandbox it's very easy for me to pull up my editor and see a git diff of the changes that were made or done or added or or whatever the schematic does.
3: And one of the nice pieces about that is the linking, right? Using npm link. So that way you can link in your schematic source into that project and actually run the schematic
5: using the Angular CLI, right? Exactly. Yeah, so the the Sandbox app, essentially you run uh, either yarn or npm link, uh, back up a directory into your source code and then when i'm executing this locally i'm actually running you know ng uh, generate and then my actual local schematic name and it's through the magic of linking it's executing that exact same source code in that directory so it makes it easier so that i don't
0: i don't have to like change one line redeploy to npm just to test yeah, my exactly. crap like you're using exactly. npm link okay yeah. so exactly. you're just you're just taking some lessons learned and you're being like, Hey, this is how Kevin says you should do it. And I've, I've hit my head on the wall a couple of times for you and here's some lessons for free.
5: Yes. Yeah. I packaged up all that, uh, all that hard, all those, uh, you know, difficult uh, testing scenarios and, and found something that works and it's, it's a pretty nice developer experience um, to be able to test really quickly and see the changes. And again, it's nothing, there's no magic. I'm not doing anything that anyone hasn't done before, but I've kind of just put these uh, practices together in a, in a repository and made it, you know, pretty, a pretty pleasant experience for, you know, testing and developing schematics. Is it called Schemagic? Ooh, <laughs> I like
2: that. Oh man, my my that's God. good. That's good. You said it's I've heard
3: that. I think that's, it's yours. That's
2: an NGConf talk title right there. there. Schematic.
3: Oh Schemagic. my magic. It will be after this talk. <laughs> I'm going to Google Domains
1: right now, and they plug. The <laughs> get screen. on it, Get on
2: it. See if you could beat me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go go Are down you faster down. than me. Um, uh, so, so what I'm wondering is, so let's say that I get in, I build this schematic out. You know, or or maybe Frosty does it right because Frosty's a huge fan of Groovy and Grails, and uh, so he True. built a, a Grails app uh, schematic, right? And he wants to share it with all of his his friends at Hero Devs. So, um how does all he? All do my sixty year old buddies that use Groovy. That's right. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with sixty year old people who use Groovy. For the records
4: <laughs> what is Groovy? <laughs> Is this a code thing? It it's the,
1: the language. It runs on the JVM. Anyway, um, so, so how do you share it, right? Or maybe you have some component that you've built that, uh, you know, you, you have a schematic that loads it up and configures it.
3: Yeah, I think there's a couple of different ways to to share that schematic and it probably depends on, you know, your organization or kind of what you're doing with it. Um, You know, if you're a library author, um, let's say, you know, Angular Firebase or something, your schematic is going to be kind of part of that project, right? Uh, And you'll define that with that collection.json file that I mentioned. Um, So I think that's kind of one way that you would uh, share it. Um, Certainly another way is that you would publish it to the NPM repository. Um, so you would, you know, publish that out as a, you know, something that somebody can publicly install, like Kevin's done with his prettier schematic. And then another way that you might share it is, you know, internally to an organization. And you could do that either through just like, uh, you know, using a Git repository and pointing that as a dependency in your package.json, or having some sort of internal uh, repository server like Artifactory or something like that. So pretty much any other way that you would publish uh, a package to make it consumable by other people. Um, so it kind of depends on which avenue uh, is best for you or your organization and that
5: kind of thing.
1: I hate those answers. <laughs> oh, I guess, I guess for, for mass publishing though, uh, can I just put so, it in an NPM package and then include yeah. it somehow in the CLI? I guess that's my question.
0: No, so there's actually a problem. Like I think Chuck's wanting to know, Brian, discoverability.
3: Yeah, that's something we were just talking about yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah, because right now, like discovering, like let's say, you know, Kevin's made this really awesome schematic for uh, Prettier, but how do you know about it, right? Um, And right now, there's kind of only one avenue to learn about those uh, schematics that are available, and that's using the Angular console that the Norwal folks have put together. Um, and you can submit a PR against the Angular console source code. And you can add your schematic into that. I think they call it extensions, I believe, is the tab or the button uh, in the console. And then you could go into the Angular console, you know, click on add or remove CLI extensions. And then there's a schematic that you can then install and, and add. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm just going to touch on Kevin's schematic for prettier. I think it's my favorite of
0: all the schematics. I have literally pumped that schematic. I don't, I don't know if I've ever pumped a library as hard as Kevin's schematic, <laughs> straight up. I've, I've spoken about it on like three continents. Like it's pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really good one. Uh, one of the other ones, you know, I guess to kind of toot our horn here, one of the other ones that we've built uh, and published, you know, um, as a Brebug team is our Jest schematics. So we're big fans of using Jest over Karma, Uh, to do unit testing for our clients and for our large uh, Angular applications that we're building. And so we've got uh, a schematic out there that you can just uh, ng-add Jest, right? And that'll basically swap out Karma with Jest and wire up everything for you. So then you can just run NPM test or Yarn test, and it'll use Jest instead of Karma to run all of your tests. So uh, that's a pretty cool one as well to check out. And I mean while we're talking about you know other schematics, I think you know a handful of the libraries uh, certainly have schematics. Obviously we've seen Material uh, demo their schematics on stage at NGConf and those are very cool and getting better. And then there's also schematics by libraries like Ionic and native script as well. Is there another one too? NGRX. And then NGRX, that's right, yep. So the NGRX team also has schematics. And then Norwal, they have their schematics as well. So there's definitely a a bunch of them out there that are really valuable, but it's still kind of hard to discover and find them. So one schematic that's really important is there's these update
0: schematics where library authors can provide an update, an upgrade script from one version of their library to another. And... Like the Angular team in the CLI, they built in support to like get those discovered in your project. So like the project I was on a few months ago, I needed to upgrade from five, Angular 5 to 6. So I ran ng-update and the CLI was like, hey, these two libraries you have have upgrade schematics that you need to run. And so I was able to just say ng-update these ones as well. And then those things ran their updates. So there's actually a lot of support for schematics, even in the form of updates, because that's where a lot of the schematics become really handy. Like one is scaffolding out new things, but the other one is the ability to update someone from one thing to another, or from one version of a library to another is another really powerful story for schematics. So those, those exist as well. Like, and one of the things, one of the libraries I was working with was Clarity by the VMware team. And, and yeah, like they had some breaking changes, so they made a schematic to fix it all for me. And then uh, I just ran it and the upgrade, even with the breaking changes, was really easy to deal with. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yep. All right. Well, anything else we should jump on with schematics then? So do you just, if you want to include it, you talked about doing an NPM link if it's one you're working on. But if it's something that somebody else is using, do you just NPM install it? Just have it in your
5: package, JSON, and then it's just there? Yeah, right now there's there's two different ways to go about that, and the typical way that you would install any other package, you would you know imp, run npm install the package name, uh, add it as a dependency. You, you can do this globally as well, and then you can run ng you know generate for example and run that package. The other way you can add a add an executable package is with the ng add command. And that's going to kind of do two steps for you. It's going to both install it and save it as a dependency of the application, and then it's going to run the schematic that is tied to the ng-add key. And so in that, Brian mentioned a collection.json earlier, that's where you can define all of the schematics in your collection or in your schematic Uh, package name you can have multiple schematics to run by name and one of those you can specify as Mm ng-add and so that way when you run the ng-add command it will both add it as a dependency and execute the schematic associated with that script
1: gotcha is there a way to test your schematics like if you build one (laughs) yeah i think that's a really good question chuck Um, and so there's actually i think a blog article
3: i don't know if hans wrote it or who did but it's on the angular.io blog And they talk about uh, testing schematics. And so kind of similar to how we've got like the test bed and and things kind of wired up for us as Angular developers to test our components, schematics also have a schematic test runner. Uh, That allows us to kind of point Uh, the schematic test runner at that collection.json file and kind of tell it what collection we're going to run and then specifically which schematic we want to run or test and then we can run that and then we can assert against that you know um, using i think it's just jasmine i believe and we can assert things against that and ensure that our schematic is doing what we want it to do whether that's creating files or you know specific modifications to files and all this kind of thing, um, so you can certainly uh, build a robust, robust, you know, unit test suite behind your schematic to verify um, that everything is working well. You know, as you're developing that, and as you continue to, uh, you know, come out with new versions and these kinds of things. So, so there's a pretty nice testing framework that comes along with schematics as well. Awesome. So, uh, one thing we didn't do, I think, would be really helpful.
0: We've talked about schematics. We've talked about AST. We've talked about the process for developing them i think what's going to get people into making more because there's so many smart people out there that are like ah, uh, i don't understand schematics and so they're not going to dig in yet what are some of the things you could do with schematics like and i want you to just go like hypothetically what could, what are some of the stuff you could do with schematics just to get people thinking about it so that they might in a few weeks be like oh a schematic could solve that and then they start getting into schematics like What are some of the powerful things you could do? Like just, just throw out some hairbrand ideas real quick.
3: You know, certainly, you know, automating your job to a certain extent, you know, there's something that you're doing over and over and over again. You know, that's a red flag. Hey, I can build a schematic around this and automate this. I think you can enforce architectural principles in an organization with schematics. If there's a particular style or a particular pattern that you want to enforce uh, or kind of guide your developers towards, uh, schematics is a great thing for that as well. Um, and then another one. I'm going to let Kevin kind of talk about this as well. Is maybe you want to build kind of like a seed project. Maybe you're a large organization and you've got some Angular apps built, and you want to kind of have like a seed project, which is maybe perhaps kind of common for some organizations, uh, where you want everybody to kind of build off of this seed project. You could certainly build that in a GitHub repo or a Git repo or whatever. And somebody could clone it out and and do whatever they need to do, um, or fork it or whatever but you could build a schematic around this. And this is actually something that Kevin's been involved in and I'll let him speak to you a
5: little bit. Yeah. a client I'm working with right now, they're a large organization. They have uh, several front end apps and they're due to various restrictions. Uh, they can't uh, put all these applications into maybe a single repo. Mono-repo, mono-repo. Yeah. Um, so their, their plan right now is to do multiple applications. And so their previous a path for that has been to, uh, you know, clone down one repository for the front end, another for the back end, run some scripts, generate a new product, um, application. And with that, the applications have diverged, some are on different versions and things like that. But uh, since we started working there, I've worked with one of the developers and over the course of about one to two weeks, he was able to create a schematic that stamped out their seed project, you know, following, uh, all the, the libraries that they normally use, having the general setup that all their applications will need for things like authentication or logging, uh, various uh, functionality that every application needs. And then with the schematic piece, he was not only able to do stamp all that out, but he was able to add in some optional configurations. For example, he was able to extend the, our schematic so that, uh, Applications or teams could adopt Jest very easily just by running the schematic. Same thing for Cypress and other uh, functionality. So by switching over to a schematic, they can still very easily uh, stamp out these applications in a you know an approved uh, architecture that is uh, that they've been using and follows the best practices. And still, you know, if they need to make a change, they just go back to their schematic, make a small adjustment, uh, and then they can provide things like update packages, right? So if uh, if a library or a, a feature changes, they can provide an update schematic within that schematic, and then everyone can adopt that change uh, very easily. But one of the kind of the neat things I like about this is like, think
3: about, you know, you're a dev at this organization, you've been tasked with building on a new app. Sure, you know, in the past, you could go and like, you know, fork or clone this repo and, and kind of that thing, but you don't get any customization, right? What if, What if you don't need that authentication piece? Or maybe you need a a different authentication. There's there's kind of some variations on yours. You know, if, if you were doing this like seed project, you'd have to go in and tweak all that stuff manually. But one of the things I think that'd be really cool is, you know, you could with Angular 7 with the CLI prompts, you could just prompt the user and say, oh, do you want to use this auth or do you want to use this auth? You know, using OAuth or using this custom in-house authentication, or using this logging or, or whatever, and it could kind of roll up that application for you and kind of get you off and running. So that way, you know, you're you're not wasting time deleting files or adding things and these kinds of things. So that's kind of a cool idea that uh, you know we kind of helped implement it with one of our clients and and using schematics in that, in that manner to kind of build out a customized, you know, a really good dev experience instead of just having like a seed project that you just clone and and good luck. So, so those are a couple examples, you know, certainly, you know, library authors are using schematics a a lot as well. Um, But I get that a lot of us aren't library authors. Uh, So some of these other ways are are things that you can use schematics yourself, either as a, a solo
5: developer or, you know, as part of a team or a larger organization. So. Yeah, I'd really like to emphasize the point that Brian made earlier about you know keeping yourself dry, not repeating yourself. If you're doing the same thing over and over, that's where a lot of the schematics I've written have come out of. They, these are tasks that are not inherently difficult, but they still require us to do them tedious over and over. They're tedious, yeah. Yeah, and to, they're prone to error. Yeah, it's prone. To it. to, yeah, the, you know, the larger the change is, the bigger this you know the surface area is for you to make a typo or miss something. Um, and so, if you're doing the same thing over and over you're having to, you know, you got to find that blog post that had the one instruction on how to do it. And you got to make those changes over and over. And you're like, man, I've done this five times already. And, you know, now I got to do it next month again. And so joy, joy. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the jest example is, uh, our, our jest schematic is an example of that. And the prettier one, the prettier one, I, you know, I, I love, pr- you know, using pretty worth angular and I've set that up a number, time, of, and a time, number, a number of times oh, yeah. and it's not difficult, uh, but you know, it's, there's some things you have to do specifically with Angular that you don't have to do with other applications, uh, perhaps. And so uh, one night I actually saw the article that uh, Aaron wrote on how to make prettier work with Angular. And so I literally, over a weekend, took that article and stamped out the prettier schematic uh, that I've written. And it's, I I mean, I, I'm probably... I probably account for half the downloads on that. <laughs> you yeah. alone? Yeah. Is it something it's I...
3: skewed? Wait, it's like all other surveys and numbers I read? No. On?
5: Yeah. Dude, I...
3: Every new project I create, I, I run that schematic. So I don't think it's just you. Yeah.
5: <laughs> but it's a, I think it's a good example that if, if you're curious about it or you're a developer that you're doing something repeatedly, um, a schematic may help you. And, you know, and who knows who it'll help, uh, who out there that you don't know, you know, um, as, as people discover it, share yep. it and use it. It's a fun way to contribute to the so, game.
0: So I think if, if you've got something that it, it's a little bit tedious to install for the first time, I think it makes sense to get a schematic for whatever you're doing. Whether you're installing Jest for the first time or Prettier or you're installing, um, you know, it's press, but it's not that Clarity hard. or yeah, yeah exactly and you like Cypress and you want to have it scaffold out that, you know, the Cypress config and everything, like anyone who's doing that kind of a library thing or you're a big proponent of it, if there's not a schematic, make a schematic and own that for the community. Brian said, if there's a lot of repeatable things, like you're doing the same thing over and over, like you're creating reducer files and effects files and stuff, start using a schematic or create a schematic to do that thing for you. Yep. If you're in a large organization with like 300 projects, it's worth it to make a schematic to start upgrading all your projects so that they don't all get like stagnated. Like, does that make sense? And, and to, to start helping people automatically rev versions of their libraries, you know, like if somebody, if, if you're using Lodash the wrong way and you can make a schematic to help your organization use Lodash the right way, we make a schematic for that. But um, I was going to say refactorings, but yeah. 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 Refactorings is huge. That's, you know, modifying files with refactorings, that's where I've gotten, um, huge amounts of, uh, benefit off of working with AST. And so, yeah, if you have, if you have some pattern that you think people should be using, make a schematic to help people get over to your, to your, you know, your way of thinking. So there's really quite a bit of things that you could, uh, that you could do with schematics. And I'm, and I'm only pointing all this out so that people start thinking about, Hey, what could I use a schematic for?
5: Yeah. That's a great point.
1: All right. Well, we're about an hour in. Is there anything else that we need to cover? I I just don't want to leave anything off if it's important or, you know, people are going to really miss it.
3: I feel like we've done a good job. Yeah, I think we've done a good job kind of introducing schematics. You know, hopefully people will kind of listen to this and say, hey, this is cool. Let me go out there, kind of learn about it and read about it. Certainly the blog post on the angular.io website is a good place to start. Uh, There's a lot of other great resources, um, and we've provided some resources as well that uh, we'll put in the show notes, kind of get you started linking to the sandbox project that Kevin wrote and um, some example schematics that we've written and these kinds of things. So, um, yeah, we would love to kind of throw out those resources and get people started because I think there's a lot of value for the community if people would get involved in schematics. And it would be just kind of a win-win, you know, something that you can use for yourself and your organization. And then you can share it out with the world and let other people, you know, use that and, you know, contribute to it and those kinds of things.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks.
6: Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section.
2: Joe, do you have some picks for us? Absolutely. So uh, for my first pick, I absolutely want to pick Brian Love because he bought that darn Star Wars picture that I wanted so bad. (laughs) It's legit. (laughs) Brian and I were hanging out into an art shop with some amazing Star Wars art. Brian, he put down the money and bought that amazing Star Wars art. And it's so cool. And you absolutely should tweet out that picture again, just so that people can go out and check it out and see how cool it is.
3: I will. I will. It's very cool. My wife is a huge fan. Yeah. So it wasn't just for me. So I, I got some brownie points on that one.
2: Nice. So um yeah, that's my first pick. My second pick is going to be the schematics that uh Brebug has put out, right? Like uh Kevin and Brian, uh you guys' work has been awesome. The the prettier in the um just schematic specifically loving those so just great work for contributing to the uh, open source community at large and the angular community that's pretty freaking awesome and then uh my final pick we I I know we've already mentioned this before but ngconf uh is releasing the whole the big talks in short form versions they're like 3 minutes long on youtube it's called ngconf minified and so whole talks are being cut down to about three minutes so you can check them out, get an idea of whether or not you want to watch the whole talk or if out of three minutes you can get enough. But it's a way for people who just don't have time to spend 16 straight hours watching talks can actually get the gist of what a given talk was about. So I'm really excited about it, put out to a week, and we'll, we'll be doing this for the foreseeable future at least. And that's my final pick. Awesome.
1: You should look into putting those on Alexa briefings. Just throwing it out there. That would Alexa, be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah.
4: Why do, you, why do you guys know what that is? But I don't. What is I don't that? know what that is either.
2: So essentially what you oh can do. Oh my gosh, do-, do you hear Alexa in my background? I'm having the mic
1: office too. And I, it didn't come on. But uh, So you can tell the Amazon Echo to um, play your briefing in the morning. And you can add skills that, that give you a different briefing. So if you're into a particular brand of politics or if you want news on the local area or weather or things like that, you can add all those things to your briefing. And so um, NG Comp could create an NG Comp skill and add an NG Comp briefing to your briefing. And then, um, you know, each day when you got your briefing, it would play the three minutes of the talk. That's cool. I love it. Brian, did you just search for angularbriefing.com? I did.
3: <laughs> I did not.
1: <laughs> I, think, I I thought I heard a keyboard. I, I figured that's what was going on. Brian, the first step is admitting you have a problem. You,
3: you caught
0: me,
1: man. You caught me. Shoot. <laughs> All right, Aaron, what are your picks?
0: All right. I'm going to pick, first pick. This is serious pick. I'm going to pick ice fishing. You fish on the ice. I'm picking it. I've done it since I was a kid and I love it. Second pick, smoking trout you caught on the ice. I've been doing it. And if anyone wants to try the best, most amazing fish in the world, well, in Utah, come to my house because... uh, After I go ice fishing, that's what happened. That was
4: like a huge jump and, uh, in, the, in the world to In Utah, like, <laughs> well,
0: I, I didn't want to offend of the listeners, so I I reduced the scope a little okay. bit. I, I pulled back. I inherited too many scopes, so I pulled back. <laughs> so, and then the last pick is just going to be Joe Eames as the dungeon master for D and D. Dude's fantastic. If you're ever in Utah and you've got like an extra four hours, try and schedule some D and D time with Joe. Cause he's, he makes it a lot of fun for the players.
1: Those are my picks. Nice. I'm going to jump in here with some picks. The first one, and I, I picked this on pretty much all the shows this week. We did a challenge on entre programmers. You can go watch or listen to us talk entre com. It's essentially a mastermind group. So we just talk about business and stuff. Um, but, uh, Anyway, we did a challenge where we would all do uh, eight Pomodoros before noon every day. And the first three days of the week are typically my recording days. So I was, I've was i been getting up at 4 a.m. to get them done. Wow. And um, anyway, it's it's been really awesome. Actually, I've gotten a ton done this week. And I'm probably going to keep doing it, maybe not getting up at 4 a.m. But... Um, is it Pomodoro like a burpee? What, is, how do you, why are you doing that? <laughs> so pomodoro how technique is it? is 25 minutes of focused work. So um, you, you you basically turn off all your distractions, um, you know, make sure that people aren't going to interrupt you. And then. Um,
4: I think Pomodoro means uh, tomato.
1: Tomato in it, Italian. The original,
4: yeah, the original guy know. who created it this. Used tomato. The tom- Oh. <laughs> the original guy who created it used a tomato timer to do his 25 minutes I think so
1: yep
4: uh, I I have severe ADHD and I have actually used that t- technique quite a bit and it's I will back you up on that one Chuck it's it's awesome I,
0: I don't want to do some uh Arnie Pommies dude where you do <laughs> 25 minutes and then take a shot an Arnie Pomodoro
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be counterproductive eventually. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I've been yeah, using. Yeah, an Arnold Pomodoro, bro. <laughs> Sorry. I can go to Google Domain real quick. So, uh, anyway, I've been using Kanban Flow to plan out my uh, week. And then I've just been uh, using the Pomodoro timer that's in Kanban Flow to track my time. Cool. And uh, yeah, it's been really, really great. John Sanmez has a YouTube video where he basically says, This is how I plan out my week. And he uses Kanban Flow. And that's basically the process I've been following. Um, but yeah, it's been terrific. I've gotten a ton of stuff done this week. Um, I'm pretty tired getting up before I am, but it's been working. So yeah. So that's my pick. Kevin, do you have some picks for us?
5: Yeah. My first pick is going to be actually angular material. So the client I'm working with right now, uh, they make, uh, lots of external and internal apps, but the application I'm using, they've decided to go with material. And so I've had free range of Uh, kind of choice of components and a little bit of design input and i've just gone all in with material and it has been such a treat they that that is such a complete library that i've accomplished so much in a short amount of time that it's just been a a joy to work with and it integrates with angular so well so definitely check out angular material if you haven't and my second pick is going to be just open source projects in general so i've With these uh, latest ones with schematics, it's just been really fun and rewarding to make a schematic that other people can, you know, get a benefit from as well. And so I encourage everyone to think of a project, either big or small, to put it out there for the community and see if you can provide some value and help people out. Nice. Brian, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I
3: got two picks for you. I don't know if everybody's seen on Twitter this uh, last week, but it looks like uh, Angular team posted out that we've got over one and a half million visits now to angular.io. I think that's in a 30-day time span, um, so I think that's a huge deal. I think um, so. My pick is kind of the community and thanking everybody. Um, certainly, ngconf and the videos that ngconf produces have been just instrumental to me learning. Um, and then part of that definitely one big uh, big shout out to Jesse Sanders, our CEO, who nominated me to be a GDE and has really kind of helped mentor me in Angular. Uh, over the last uh, several months and year. So uh, definitely a huge thank you to the Angular community, uh, you know, to the panelists here on this call and uh, to everybody that's out there just putting out great stuff uh, that we can all learn from and and become better developers on. And then my second pick is uh, we're putting on a pretty cool event here in Denver. I know this is kind of local, but on January 17th, We're doing what's what we're calling an evening of Angular Uh, and Joe and Aaron, you guys know about this, right? Because you guys have come out and um, spoken at our evening of Angular events. Um, So pretty cool, pretty fun. Uh, We rent out an entire movie theater. Uh, We have food and you can get drinks if if you want or whatever. Um, And then we invite out a whole bunch of speakers uh, to kind of bring the entire Angular community together here in Denver in the front range to learn from people and to meet people and get to spend time with people that, you know, maybe they can't get out to ng-conf or or whatever it is. Um, And so we're bringing in some really amazing speakers uh, like Bonnie Brennan, Sam's coming out. We got Brandon Roberts and Mike on NGRX. Uh, We've got Kim Maeda, I think is how you say your last name. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then Lucas as well, uh, Lucas Rebelke. Uh, So very pumped about that, looking forward to that event. And uh, if you're listening and you're in the uh, Colorado area, uh it's definitely something that you don't want to miss. And we don't make any money off of this. We actually donate all of the profit uh to a local nonprofit. Uh that helps um we've done mostly like kids in technology lately. Um so it's a great event, it's a lot of fun, great opportunity to learn and meet people, uh, and for a
1: good cause. So definitely check it out. Yeah, I they they brought me out for one too. It was a lot of fun.
3: Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Chuck. I forgot. No, no, it's it's all <laughs> good.
1: I'm just I'm just kind of Saying If you, if you get a chance to go, go, cause it, it's a ton of fun.
3: And I would totally encourage like other communities and areas to do it. It's a lot of fun. You know, we, uh, it's pretty cool. You just plug an HDMI cable into your laptop and you're projecting on this massive screen behind you. Um, and it's a really great way to just kind of hang out and a little more social, but also fun and a great way to learn. So. Yep. Very uh, cool. Chuck, can I throw in one more pick? Go for it. All right. This is a pick that, um it's
0: important for the Angular community. I think um, there's NPMJS is doing a survey right now. And oh, they're right. a- they're asking a lot of questions about you know your use with NPM and also just your general use of JavaScript. And um I'm not sure how active the Angular community gets in these polls, but um there's several metrics that say you know Angular is getting a lot bigger. But um then there was the state of JS that said, which was an actual poll unrelated to really any tool system. And and they're saying Angular is getting smaller. And um, so I just wanted to encourage everyone head out to npmjs.org and take their survey and you know talk about you know if, if you don't like angular, I mean say that, but but the angular community needs to start taking these polls a little bit more seriously. So that's my last pick is the uh the NPMJS
1: JavaScript survey. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I have one more question, and that is uh, for both of you. How do people find you online?
5: Yeah, cool. Go ahead, Kevin. Probably the best way is uh, Twitter. And I'll put my, uh, my handle in the show notes, but it's just my full name, Kevin Shuhard. And uh, I also have a website, uh, But that's where I'm most active is Twitter and my blog. Cool. Uh,
3: And then you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm Brian underscore love. So that's Brian with an I. Uh, So you can follow me and uh, I tweet a lot about Angular and JavaScript and related technologies. Uh, And then I also blog on BrianFlove.com,
1: my personal website. So definitely check it out. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you both for coming and and talking through this with us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, we will uh, wrap this one up and we will be back next week.